Welcome to the Weekly Spot. You are tuned into episode 71. Today we are going to talk about our winners and losers from the past week, as well as some predictions for what is actually shaping to be a really interesting week with a lot of playoff implications. Before we dive into that, uh, I want to introduce my co-hosts. I have Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you guys doing? I imagine one of you is doing a little better than the other, but uh, <laughs> how are you both doing? I'm doing well. The Packers played fantastic. They beat the poop out of the number one rated offense in the Tennessee Titans. So that is fantastic. But it does look like Durgan has sealed his number one yep. seed for the Pickham records here going into week 17. He's seven games ahead of me. I'm, you know, I'm winning my division and then Cyrus is still fighting for a wild card spot here. <laughs> uh, he's a full 10 games behind Durgan and three games behind me. So uh, it, it'll be an interesting week 17 for us as well. Maybe there can be a little bit of shuffling in the, in the overall Pickham's records here. Yeah, my strategy of picking uh, all the favorites except for like one or two a week seems to be uh, working out somehow. So at least I have something in my life going for me. Uh, I, I'm sa- <laughs> I am sad as week 17. I mean, the playoffs are an exciting time, but then we're just one week closer to football being over and being forced to watch uh, NBA basketball, which is which is fine. But I'm more of an NFL guy myself. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it should be a exciting uh, few weeks coming up here. Listen, at this point, after what we went through in 2020, just be grateful that there's something on your television True. that is live True. that you can watch. <laughs> so we'll take NBA basketball. I'll watch whatever at this point. Um, but yeah, the, the NFL season's coming to a close, but this is the best part of it. You know, the playoffs mm-hmm. and we can actively root against Casey's team to, to see him. Wow. Of course, always. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll be temporary Packers fans. Maybe, probably not. Let's uh, let's <laughs> dive into some news, though. Um well, I guess we're gonna, we're kind of going to talk about most of this maybe in in our games of the week, so maybe we don't have to to dive in too much detail. But I think something to note: one of you included this tweet, which I actually saw here from Yates. A total of eight teams can guarantee a playoff berth with a win in Week 17. This is sort of unprecedented. You know, a lot of times we see Week 17 be almost a week off for for a lot of teams, and maybe a, a few games are are uh, competitive and, and have seeding implications, but there's a lot of stuff still on the line in the last week of football, which is pretty good to see. Um, what do you guys think about this and, and what teams are we looking at? Yeah, it's going to make a lot of games exciting, which is great for week 17. That's what they want. That's why they make all the division games at the end so that there's these big tiebreakers and win or loss situations, win or go home situations here. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's eight teams, and I think there's about five playoff spots or so. Um, and things have shuffled not the way I expected a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. I know we predicted, and uh, my predictions aren't looking, especially the Raiders <laughs> in that department, was not looking good. I think I said, you know, it looks like the Browns and the Colts are locked in, and my, my no. yeah. three sort of shuffle guys were the Ravens, the Dolphins, and uh, the Raiders, and, you know, now things have totally shifted and the Colts are on the outside looking in. So it'll be an interesting week 17 for sure. And it's funny to look at the two conferences and how different they are. NFC, you have teams kind of limping to the finish line. Uh, you mm-hmm. have the Ravens, Cardinals, sorry, Rams, Cardinals, who we'll talk about later, but their quarterbacks are injured. And then you have the NFC East. All those teams almost seem like they don't want to make it at this point. And on the AFC, it's completely opposite. You're going to have guaranteed at least one team with 10 wins not make the playoffs, which is crazy considering that the NFL expanded the playoff field this year to seven teams. So one of these teams who won't make it are a very good team. I mean, it could be the Colts, 
could be the Browns, could be the Dolphins, and those teams are absolutely deserving of a spot, but it's been so competitive in that AFC this year that it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how they do and also how teams like the Steelers, Bills, Chiefs, Packers as well, uh, how they treat their roster for this week uh, in terms of resting players versus not resting players. So a lot of interesting storylines going on within the game. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that no team in the AFC has clinched a wild card right now mm-hmm. uh, is, is pretty damaged. I mean, four teams with 10-5 and five records fighting it out. And I think Tennessee's not even locked in, right? And they're the division leader. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's another, it's a fifth team with a 10-5 and five record. There's a lot of moving parts. And it's it's really good to see the AFC kind of exciting because I feel like historically, at least recently, it's usually been the NFC that's a little bit more exciting yep. and the AFC has been a little bit lopsided. So this is good. This is good for the game. And I think it's going to it's gonna show when we talk about our, our uh, game picks here coming up. But before we do that, let's dive into our winners and losers from this past week and kind of review what we saw and what we thought. Uh, Durgan, we'll start with you. <coughs> Hit us with your winner. Yeah, I went with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they put an offensive clinic on Christmas, uh, even though it still does seem that Drew Brees isn't near the level he was just two, three years ago. His arm is kind of weaker. But Alvin Kamara, incredible game, six touchdowns. Uh, great if you have him in fantasy. Awful if you're like me playing against him in fantasy. But that's the way it is. Ouch. Michael Thomas. Yeah, Michael Thomas will be back soon. Uh, Kamara, I mean, after three touchdowns, I'm like, okay, I'm in bad shape. And then I left for about 20 minutes. I came back, he scored two more, and then another one. And I was like, all right, 52 points in fantasy. I'm not coming back from that. Screw it. And then uh, you look at their defense, and their defense isn't bad. Trey Hendrickson, probably was underrated player in the league this year, 12 and a half sacks. That puts him in the top five. And he didn't even make the Pro Bowl. I don't really know how, but it is what it is. Demario Davis is low-key one of the better linebackers in the game. They did lose Quan Alexander, who they just acquired about a month ago from the Niners due to an Achilles injury. So that does hurt them. But I think this team, if they can feed Kamara, feed Thomas, open things up with you know Taysom Hill and his wacky plays, they can make a run. Uh, roster-wise, they might be one of the best teams in the league, but it seems come playoffs the last few years, they've been screwed or cursed uh, by how you look at it. But they're one team that I am hesitant to bet on as a Super Bowl favorite. But if they play like they did this past week, then absolutely they are. Yeah, the New Orleans fighting Alvin Kamara's are playing well. And they have a, a really good defense. They've had a couple stretches during the year that they've played really well. And then they've had a couple games where they haven't played as well. Uh, but when they're all clicking and healthy, healthy it, it's, it's a tough team to beat, especially if you play them in New Orleans. And uh, so they're they're playing well. They beat a very bad Minnesota defense. So I'm, I'm still not sold on that offense being... Uh, a juggernaut they've done enough and they've played well uh, especially without Michael Thomas who should be back for the playoffs but um, you know that they don't scare me like the old Saints teams used to I'm not I wouldn't necessarily be scared to play them in the in the playoffs at this point so um, but finish the the week the year strong maybe they get a first first round by and get that number one seed there's still some tie-breaking scenarios that can fall their way um, I think it's if the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Saints all have the same record at the end of the year, the Saints would then win that tiebreaker. So they need a little bit of help, but they can still get there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a different Saints team than what we're used to seeing because this defense is probably better than I think the Saints defense has been in quite a bit. Some names you didn't mention too. Cameron Jordan, of course, always yep. always a great pass rusher. Malcolm Jenkins, 
um, Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, this team is pretty stacked on the defensive side, probably even more so than on the offensive side, which is interesting because you don't really view the Saints as this defensive kind of juggernaut. You usually think of them as an offensive powerhouse. But Drew Brees is not playing like Drew Brees. I don't know if he's not 100%. Some, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like the Drew Brees we're used to seeing. It could be age. I, I don't really know 100% what the reason is. But, um, you know, they're figuring out other ways to do it. This team has faced a lot of adversity this season. They're 11-4. and four. So they're figuring it out. Sean Payton is one of the greatest coaches to coach, and they're doing a good job. And, and I, I may not be scared of them the way that teams used to be scared of the Saints, but don't count them out. They're, they're a great team. And if Drew Brees turns it on even a little bit, this team is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Let's go to your winner, though, Casey. Who do you got? Yeah, Fitzmagic fans everywhere rejoiced when he came in and tore the hearts out of the poor little Raiders' body, still beating, and swallowed it, and the blood was dripping all over his majestic this is beard. Very graphic. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm painting the picture. Listening. I'm painting the picture, and it was a beautiful picture. Uh, Tua went 17 for 22 for 94 yards and one touchdown. This is the second game this year where he's been pulled. Uh, his first start, he also had under 100 yards. He played really poorly against the Broncos earlier, and he's almost turning into like a captain checkdown guy as a rookie, which is a little bit concerning. I don't think he was fully ready to start. I think you do need to see what he's got. If you're the Miami Dolphins, then that's why they played him. But to me, clearly Fitzmagic is still the better quarterback. And at this point, you've won 10 games. Like, losing one more game ain't going to do nothing for you, so you want the playoffs. And if you want the playoffs, you got to play the best quarterback. And to me, that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He gives you the best chance to win. Uh, you need this win to cement your, your spot in the playoffs and beat the Bills. That's not going to be an easy game. The Bills may decide to play uh, for that second seed if they, they decide they want that. Um, but... You know, he, every time he's come in, he's played well in relief of Tua, and he had a, a pretty good start to the season. We haven't seen Fitz tragic this year, so uh, I'm I'm a fan of him. I think he should have stayed in from the beginning instead of putting in Tua overall because they were in a good position when they pulled him. But uh, it was nice to see the guy get in for half a quarter and and throw 182 yards and one touchdown and, and lead a miraculous no throw or no look throw that uh, won the Dolphins the game. I mean, I agree with you, but people who are calling Tua a bust already need to calm down. I'm not saying you are. I'm seeing people on Twitter like, oh, Tua, he's not good enough. Tua is doing what they're asking him to do, which is take care of the ball. And he's done that. Ten touchdowns, mm -hmm. two interceptions. He won rookie of the week, back-to-back -back weeks before this week. So it's not like he's been playing terrible. He's just, he's not throwing, guys aren't getting open for him. So he's hesitant to throw into tight windows. And a guy like Fitzmagic, he is going to go out there and just, you know, do Fitzmagic things. Throw balls up in the air you can't see, push the needle down the field. That's just the players they are at this point. And it's kind of, mm -hmm. I like into a baseball scenario here where you have Tua as your starting pitcher. And he's going to, you know, get you, maybe not perfect, but he's, he's going to get you close in the game. But then you want to bring in Fitzmagic, the closer, who might be a little more erratic, but has that big play potential and can close the game out for you. It seems to be working so far. Tua is a mature, younger player. So he knows his role. He knows that is not benching because he's doing bad necessarily. It's just that his two-minute drill or his you know, come-from-behind uh, ability at this point in his career isn't what Fitzmagic is in his 17th year in the league. So I don't know. I, I mean, I never agreed with the fact they should have started Tua 
And if they did, they should have just stuck with him. I, they, I kind of pick one or the other. But it seems you're working so far to this point. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Fitzmagic once again come up in the fourth quarter of this game. Like I said, the Bills don't know how they're going to treat this week. But it's going to be uh, fascinating to see. I wouldn't be surprised if this is not the last time uh, we see Fitzmagic pull some out of his hat. Yeah, I'm with you, Durgan, in the sense that I don't like the idea of putting your faith in your rookie quarterback and then also benching him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what kind of message that sends. Be, be consistent. Exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, Tua hasn't been bad, but he's been what rookie quarterbacks traditionally yeah. are, which is inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not everybody's going to come out and do what Justin Herbert's doing right now. But the, the situation in Miami almost seems to me like they put in uh, Tua and then they somehow just kept winning and winning and got to a 10 and 6 record and now they're like well fuck like we can't afford to make mistakes now because we're in a position to make the playoffs so we got to do the smart move and put Fitzmagic in whereas before it was sort of well let's just see what we got with Tua and uh, let him ride it out um but now I mean you're you know in that tie that we talked about earlier in the episode for an AFC wildcard spot you're you're deep in that so you got to do what you can to win this game against the tough Bills team and uh, I think Fitzmagic, even even if marginally, gives you a little bit of a better shot at winning this game and that veteran consistent presence at quarterback. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him finish the season out and, and potentially play into the playoffs as well. Um, my winner, I touched on it a little bit. Well, first off, my winner, a few winners, Jags fans. Yep. Great for you. Um <laughs> And then the guy who played Durgan in fantasy, huge winner, <laughs> or anyone who had Kamara in the championship game. But no, no, seriously, I think, you know, I'm going to pick a category of winners. I'm going to say unexpected QB award leaders in my book. And that goes for the MVP and the offensive rookie of the year. MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Casey, you'll be happy to hear this. He has my vote for MVP. <laughs> he is absolutely killing it. 4,000 yards, 44 touchdowns, five interceptions, just shy of 120 QBR on the season, which is insane. Mahomes has more yards, less touchdowns, a few more uh, interceptions, and 108 QBR. He's a runner-up to me at the moment, so things could change in this last game. Um, But Aaron Rodgers, 13th game this season with 100-plus passer rating this season. He tied his own record in 2011, and then the only other person to do that since then is Patrick Mahomes in 2018. Both of those seasons, they won the MVP award, respectively. So... He's playing at an MVP level, and he definitely deserves it. Um, The other winner, I'm going to say Justin Herbert, Offensive Rookie of the Year, became the third Chargers quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards, set the NFL rookie record for touchdown passes, and this is his third straight game-winning drive when when they beat the Denver Broncos. So he is hands down the Offensive Rookie of the Year. No disrespect, Justin Jefferson. You've had a phenomenal season. I think you're like fourth in receiving yards as a rookie, which is absolutely insane. Um, but these, this is undeniable. I mean, as a rookie performance, this is the best rookie performance I think at quarterback we've seen maybe ever, honestly. I mean, I went back and tried to look at the stats and I, I was hard pressed to find a quarterback. The last one was Cam Newton that had 4,000 yards, but he had less touchdowns through the air, more rushing touchdowns, and he had more interceptions as well. So this is, this is up there as one of the best rookie quarterback seasons in history. So got to hand it to him. Offensive rookie of the year. Those are my two winners, two phenomenal quarterbacks that deserve those respective awards. Yeah, and I'll pound the table a little bit more for the the Rodgers versus 
Mahomes debate. Mahomes has the most recorded dropped interceptions in a season ever, I believe, at 16. So even if half of those are caught, I don't think it's even a real conversation between him and and Aaron Rodgers. And he really should have lost this game against the Falcons. He had a dropped interception in the end zone at the end of the game. Um, and the the Falcons, you know, they know how to lose. Oh, so they, they, they managed too, to drop right? it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent should have lost it. that game. Hundred percent should have yeah. lost that game. So, uh, and you just don't see Aaron Rodgers making those same mistakes, uh, unless Rodgers has a complete dud against the Chicago Chicago Bears. I think he's sort of got it, uh, especially because Andy Reid said he's planning to rest a lot of his starters since the Chiefs have uh, locked up that number one seat. So Mahomes may not even play. Um, as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a, you know, poop his pants game, sort of like he did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then uh, I think he should be fine and is deserving of that MVP award. Um, as far as Herbert goes, awesome player. He's proved me wrong, and a lot of people I know were very concerned about his accuracy and his inconsistency in, in college, but he's uh, he's come out and balled. But be careful because you might fuck around and save Anthony Lynn's job, and exactly. I don't think that's the yeah. right move. Yeah, <laughs> that's your point. Uh, so touching MVP, I absolutely agree that Aaron Rodgers uh, should win. I'm under the belief, like I said last year, thought Lamar Jackson winning it. The most valuable player should go to the person who's most valuable to his team. I think if you take Mahomes, who is by far, in my opinion, the most talented and best player in the league, if you take him off, that Chiefs team can still score points. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, uh, mm-hmm. Edward Gilaire, those are all quality players and I'm not and also Andy Reid who's one of the best offensive minds in NFL history I'm not trying to disrespect LaFleur Devontae Adams is a baller but Aaron Rodgers is elevating the players around him so that alone the eye test I think he should win also the stats back it up uh, look at the betting odds however it is not looking good for Sir Aaron as Mahomes is a minus 300 favorite and Rodgers at plus 260 don't agree oh, with I, it but that's surprising Mahomes, I think I thought I had just read recently that after the Sunday night game that he Rodgers became favored. But I, 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 I'm looking at an article that is from two days ago, so maybe it has switched or flipped. But even even that, I don't know if it would flip to the point where it would be a huge uh, difference between the two. It's close, for sure. Yeah, but, but it shouldn't be. It's the thing. It's just they see Mahomes and they see that, oh, he's the, the next Payne Manning, Tom Brady, Dan Marino, mm-hmm. whoever it is, and they're going to try to boost up his legacy as much as they can. Uh, in terms of Herbert, absolutely agree. He should win. Justin Jefferson, incredible year. But that offense in Minnesota, it isn't terrible by any means. I mean, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, they have some guys. But what Justin Herbert is doing with Los Angeles is incredible because Anthony Lynn, like you said, is his head coach who doesn't even want him to be a starter, it seems like, and only started because Tyrod Taylor got stabbed in the lung. So is all this happening with the freak chances of him being successful? And his receivers, yeah, Keenan Allen is really good, but Mike Williams has been hurt. Other guys have been hurt. Eckler has been hurt most of the year. The offensive line is absolutely terrible. So he's doing it in spite of his team, uh, Justin Herbert. Hopefully they can get him a young offensive-minded head coach. Uh, great if they got Eric Bieniemy and run that same system that the Chiefs run uh, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, but it's the Chargers, and they'll do Charger things, and they'll suck for the next probably 10 years because they can't build around Justin Herbert. A nice attitude. <laughs> Maybe they will. We'll see. A lot, lot, lot of things could change in the off season. Um, let's, uh, let's go to the other side of this though. Let's talk about losers. Durgan, we'll uh, round robin it back to you. We'll start with it. your loser. Uh, we mentioned him earlier, but I got to go with the Cleveland Browns. 
there's no way that they should not be in the playoffs. And in the most Cleveland Browns fashion, they're trending downwards. And uh, yeah, I know they had their top three receivers out because of COVID. Even though, judging by the players' tweets, they were kind of sketched up by the whole idea because they're like, okay, we weren't in that close of contact with these guys compared to everybody else. Like, how do you really judge close contact? But NFL has their guidelines, has their rules. You can't really challenge it at this point uh, because it's been kind of working, I guess, kind of not working, but that's a debate for a different day. But the fact they couldn't run the ball against the Jets, who are replacement-level players, Quinton Williams, their best defender, was out. Uh, Terrible. Baker Mayfield, two fumbles, no touchdowns. You're a number one overall pick, man. you got to play when the big moments happen. You could clinch the playoff spot, uh, get this team, find to the next level. They haven't made a playoff since 2003. And all you had to do was beat the worst team in the league, second worst team in the league, I guess. And you couldn't do that. That's absolutely devastating. If they don't make the, fr- the playoffs, this franchise, I, I, mean, I this might be an overreaction, but I don't know if they'll ever recover. Because this is the one year that they actually look like they have something going for them, and they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not as doom and gloom. I know you're on a doom and gloom trip here with am, the, uh, the Chargers and now the Browns, but they had a lot. It, it, it's two days beforehand. You lose two of your your offensive linemen and basically your entire receiving core, and you're going to have a tough time against any team. I, I think the Jets' defense has been playing better since Greg Williams has disappeared Dr. into Heat. his zero blitz uh, <laughs> heaven that he's in. I guess sitting at home. Calling people oh, up, saying, gosh. "Hey, did you zero blitz? You should have zero blitzed on that hail well, mary man." Actually, he's he's busy taking uh, head coaching calls because he's very <laughs> hot, hot candidate this year. I forgot. Yeah, he's very much in demand. Um, but would you like the Browns to have found a way to win? Yeah, I think that that game is almost as much on Stefanski as anybody else because uh, you got to find a way to run the ball on that team. That's your strength. You still have your running backs. Um, it almost felt like. You know, I watched bits and pieces on on Red Zone, but that Baker Mayfield didn't trust his receivers, probably because he didn't even know half of their names. (laughs) But he would drop back and just be like, where's Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb out of the backfield? I'm going to throw it to them. Or or, where are my tight ends who I actually know where they're going to be when they're supposed to be there? And not trusting and and throwing receivers open. And he's been playing well the last few weeks, and and that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And. You know, he, he beat himself up afterwards in the press conference saying, you know, I got to hold on to the, the damn ball and, you know, it's on me. So he's taking responsibility. I, I'm not too worried about them. Uh, I'm, I'm slightly worried about their playoff chances, but as a team, I don't think it's like doom and gloom. I think they're going to have a, a good performance against the Steelers. Whether they'll beat them if the Steelers decide to play their starters, I don't know. Uh, I think it'll be a really good game, but um, I, I'm not super duper worried about their loss to the Jets. The Jets could have won three in a row or three out of should four have. with yeah. the with the Raiders too. So they're on, maybe Adam Gase is going to yes. mess around and save his job. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Who knows? Oh, no. Oh, man. That would be bad. But uh, you mentioned the Raiders, and you know this Browns team has something in common, I think, with the Raiders, and that is inconsistency. They have had mm-hmm. very high highs, and they have had very low lows this season. Um, but... Overall, I think I disagree with Durgan on the fact that they won't recover from this. I think that this new regime and just in general, the organization is in a different position than they were previously. And it's 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 bright. I mean, the future for this this organization, considering where they were, um, it's it's vastly different. So I'm not I'm not worried like Casey's not worried. 
But at the same time, this is one that you got to figure out a way to win, especially when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt still healthy. You know, there's there's got to be a way to, to scheme that and make it happen. When instead you had both averaging two and a half yards per carry, it's not going to get it done against any team. Um, so they'll figure it out. I'm not too worried. Um, we'll we'll talk about them a little more. I think the 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 uh, Steelers Browns game is one of our games of the week. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not super super scared for the Browns future. Uh, Casey, who are you super scared for here, though? What's your loser? What do you, what do you got? I'm super scared for the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, always. You always are. You hate the Colts. <laughs> I do hate the Colts. I just hate <laughs> Philip Rivers. I like Frank Reich, and I like what they do on offense. I just don't like Philip Rivers. And the one time that I don't pick against them, they hey, manage yep. to lose. So uh, I hate them extra for that. And that's, that's really why they're my loser. But th- they're... Th- Three top tackles are injured now. Uh, they had a huge collapse against the Steelers' offense that hadn't even gotten off the bus for games the last three weeks, and now they're the odd one out in the in the playoff race. They don't even control their own destiny at this point. So as things stand, they're going to miss the playoffs, and I haven't seen enough pizzazz is not the right word, but that's the word I'm going to go with pizzazz. from Philip Rivers and that offense to, to make them feel, me feel confident that they'll really do anything in the playoffs even if they get there. Um, that defense did not perform as you would have hoped against the Steelers, and uh, you know I would not be at all surprised if they're they're not in the playoffs. And that game was a tale of two halves. The first half, Colts dominated them, yep. uh, looked really strong. But as your coach, you can agree with this, I'm sure. Football is a game of adjustments. So first half mm-hmm. and second half are completely different games. Uh, if you're a good coach, and it, from the report I saw was that the Steelers or excuse me, the Colts kind of knew what was coming on the Steelers offense and knew all their cadences, knew their audibles. And then they started going a different offensive approach, a little more up pace, uh, a little more unpredictable. And the Colts had no response at all and just let them score over and over again. And on the flip side, like you said, their three tackles are injured. So TJ Watt got a lot of pressure. Cam Hayward and Stephon Tua got pressure on uh, Phillip Rivers. And when he has to throw and they know that they're going to throw, he does not have any arm strength to push the ball down the field. So, the scariest part of all this, like you said, they don't control their destiny. And they should win this week against the Jaguars, but they did lose to them week one, so who knows. And you have to rely on other teams to lose is not a spot you want to be in at week 17. I think that they'll get in because some team, you know, playing the percentages, will lose. But then you get to play on the road in playoffs week one, and I don't see any chance of them uh, winning a game as long as uh, Philip Rivers does Philip Rivers things. Fourth quarter, down, interception yep. to lose it. Tradition. It is as old as time. Yep. As Literally. Is tradition. Philip Rivers, though, you know, shell of himself. Used to be a great quarterback. I know Casey hates on him, but um, he's, he's, man- he's... He's okay. He'll be a Hall of Famer at some yep. point. Um, mm, I don't... I'm... I don't know. He w- write that down. One of these off-season episodes, we're gonna have a conversation yep. about Philip Rivers. Go. I think I'm ready for it because it's it's really undeniable if you look. Not at Not to sidetrack us, but if he's a Hall of Famer, Matthew Stafford's also a Hall. of I Famer. I don't disagree. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. I think Matthew Stafford has just dealt a bad hand. Not to, not to oh, continue I, I this agree. sidetrack. Anyways, um, regarding the Colts. Yes, unfortunate. Definitely a tale of two halves. I think the Colts scored 21 in the first half and then three in the second half. And the uh, Steelers scored 21 in the second half but had a touchdown in the first half, and that was the difference in the game. Um, there was a clear momentum shift to me in, in this in this previous game. Um, 
with with the Colts and the Steelers, and the Colts looked just. I think the best word to describe it is anemic in in the second mm-hmm. half of that game. They didn't get anything going. And I'm not really sure at this point without T.Y. Hilton what they got at the receiver position. I mean, you got Michael Pittman, who's okay. It could be good. It could develop. But uh, then you're looking at Zach Pascal. I mean, I know you want to blame Phillip Rivers for a lot of this, but it would be nice to have some, some weapons for him, too, that would show up. So I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, that's that's what I got to say. <laughs> nope, it's all Phillip Rivers. <laughs> okay, fine. All Phillip Rivers' fault. Um, all right, well, let's let's go to my loser and talk about somebody else whose fault it entirely is, um, and that is Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team. You knew it was coming. It had to be one of the losers, uh, probably the biggest out of all the losers we've talked about, but days after being stripped of his captain status for not following COVID protocols, and I'm sure Durgan will really enjoy diving into why he what he was doing <laughs> at that time, but uh, 2019 first-round pick Dwayne Haskins is now cut and in my opinion, may never play again. I don't. I know that might be a little controversial. He could get a backup role, but I don't think any team is really looking at him as an option after the performance. Not as if he played even decently or half decently. Haskins basically gave Washington no chance to beat the Panthers, and uh, with his 36.9 passer rating, no touchdowns, two interceptions, somehow they managed to only lose by seven, which blows my mind because they should, probably should have just lost by everything and had no points. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, Washington football team basically is saying, Hey, look, we're going to cut our rookie quarterback that we drafted 15th overall two years ago. And we're going to start a guy who was taking online classes at old dominion three weeks ago. And he was taking like some advanced math class. And now he's going to start for, for Washington. You'd rather have that guy than the guy you picked 15th overall in 2019. So it's not a good sign for the organization, you know, Dwayne Haskins, just in general, this is a bad situation, probably time to part ways. Um, and I am embarrassed that this is a quarterback who beat the Eagles week one. <laughs> yeah, I, I would almost argue that Carson Wentz beat the Eagles week Fair. one. Fair. Touche. But, um, yeah, Dwayne, ha- I, I don't know. There's not much to say. Like, he, he's played awful on the field. He has shown immaturity off the field, uh, and he's about two practice squad stints away from being out of the league, just like Johnny Menzel and... Uh, heading the way of Josh Rosen. But Josh Rosen doesn't even cause issues. He just does his job yeah. and he's, has struggled on the field. So, you know, there's not much to say. I hope Alex Smith comes back and he gets a chance to to take the Washington football team to the playoffs and win that Comeback Player of the Year award that he so much deserves and I know Durgan very much agrees with me on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it'll be – they have an opportunity in front of them. So whether it's Taylor Henneke or Alex Smith – you know, buckle up and uh, go to work, and you're in the playoffs. Dwayne Haskins, uh, it's tough to say. I mean, I think, okay, first off, I think he will get another chance somewhere, somehow, back up. But he's been absolutely terrible. Uh, I think that's an understatement as a quarterback so far. And in 2020 fashion, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Booger McFarland had the best point. I started the guys last night where he said it was essentially that mm-hmm. so many guys come in the league and they care about what they can do to become a star. What, how, they, how can they build their brand? How can they build their social media following? How can they make money? But in order to do that, you have to be good. So you have to be a team player. You have to build your skill and get to that level before you can worry about being a brand. And I think Dwayne yeah. Haskins cared too much about himself than he did about his team. And yeah, Washington, they're... He got dealt a bad hand in that 
the coaching staff last year didn't want him. The only person that wanted him was Dan Schneider. And then the new coaching staff comes in, and Ron Rivera doesn't take any shit from anybody. So he gave him one chance, gave him a second chance, and then that was it. So mm-hmm. I, I like actually that they did cut him because it's a new regime in Washington, and it's showing that Dan Schneider is not in charge of this team, and that this is Ron Rivera's team, and he's going to be one making the calls at the end of the day. But the fact that Taylor Henneke is going to be starting over Dwayne Haskin, who was drafted top 12 two years ago, it's bad. 15th. And to 15th. And uh, someone brought a stat up that this is the earliest that someone, a quarterback, has been cut for a uh, first-round pick in less than two years. Uh, Johnny Manziel, Josh Rosen, those guys were cut like two and a half years in. But Dwayne Haskins, they didn't make it the full two years, and he got cut. And he's off the field, on the field. There's nothing has gone right for him so far. I wish him the best. I don't know if football is in his future. But if he can keep his head on straight, I think he can uh, become a high-end backup and maybe kind of slowly build up his reputation in the league once again. But so far, it does not look great for him. Yeah, I think I agree with you. He'll get one more shot, and, and it'll kind of be his last. Um, yeah. In what capacity that is, we will have to find out. But um, I don't think he's going to be getting a ton more interest um, as a free agent. So we'll see. I think, honestly, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent on the Washington football team, but I think Kyle Allen's probably the starter for them next year and moving forward. Um, I would agree. Yeah. He, I mean, he played solid when he, when he did play better than Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins have. Um, and, you know, things could have played out differently if he wasn't hurt. And they still might. They still they still might make the playoffs. So we'll see. But dark, let's dive into dark our horse. One quick dark horse candidate: Cam Newton reunited with Von Rivera next year. Calling it now. Uh, I throw it in there. I don't know. I don't know about that. That would be interesting. But at the same time, yeah. I feel like Cam Newton might be done. But yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. But I'm just saying that's my hot take. I throw it in there. All right. Hey, if it happens, you know, they're getting to the future guy all right (laughs) (laughs) well said sir yes show me your time machine if that happens um let's dive into our games of the week though we got the one we were just talking about a little bit here we got Steelers at the Browns uh Durgan we'll start with you what do you think yeah so before the news that Big Ben wasn't going to be playing I went with the Steelers uh Tomlin says that you know they're still going to play their guys is going to be minus Big Ben and maybe a player or two but I've seen Mason Rudolph play, and he's absolutely terrible. So I'm going to go with Browns 27-20. Uh, this is a must-win game for the Browns. Steelers, yeah, they're playing for something still because they can still get the second seed. But the Browns need to win this game in order to make the playoffs in general. I don't think the Browns or the Steelers can do worse than third seed. So at that point, if you get far enough where it matters, you'll play the Bills. That's not a far drive or a far plane ride for them, so it's not a huge uh, you know, difference. And also, the Steelers, they've looked okay the past few weeks. Of course, that's second half, they turned it on. But overall, they've been playing pretty bad. The Browns are a better team than them, in my opinion. Uh, biggest game for them since 2003, last playoff appearance. And we all know last time uh, what happened when Mason Rudolph played against the Browns in Cleveland, and it did not end well for him. So I think that streak will continue, and then uh, Miles Garrett gets two sacks this game. Calling it out, two sacks. Yeah, and remember, the Steelers haven't had really a true bye week all year. Yeah. So that's even more incentive for the the Steelers to rest some starters and get some 
some R and R before the playoffs. Um, so I, I would imagine, like like Durgan said, uh, a couple guys are going to be sitting, but I bet a bunch of other guys are going to have short leashes. And if the game gets out of hand, uh, they'll be yep. quick to pull guys. So if you're the Browns, take care of business early, and then you can cruise and solidify yourself with playoff spot. I also have the Browns winning twenty four to twenty. As long as they have all their guys back from the COVID list that uh, are impact players like Jarvis Landry and, and their offensive linemen, I think they should be fine. If not, and they're you know playing the Steelers' backups with their with their backups again, we saw how that went last year week and uh, it did not go well. So you got to get your guys back, and um, you know don't sit in a hot tub together if you're the Browns. You know, <laughs> space out. Yeah, or sit in like three different hot tubs. You know, so, six yeah. feet apart. Right? You got You're the money for that. Exactly. One. Yeah. 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 Solo hot tub. Get your, each everyone get their own. I, I like that. Maybe we should do that on the next podcast, guys. Hey, I'm down uh, yeah, for sure. But you know, I got the Browns as well. I think I'm still on the bandwagon. They let me down. You know, but the Steelers. <laughs> if I was on the Steelers bandwagon, they would have equally let me down at least previously to this Colts win, which they may not have even necessarily deserved. Me, eh, arguable, but. The Browns, I think, are going to be the hungrier dog in this fight. There we and go. And hopefully the better roster if they get their players back. So I got to go Browns 24-17, taking the win. Next game, Cardinals at Rams. This could be a fun one too. Durgan, what do you think? Yeah, battle of uh, some banged-up quarterbacks here. Uh, I'll go the Cardinals 2017. I don't think either team is all that good, to be honest. But the quarterback play will determine who wins and who loses. Murray, I think, will play because he is hurt, not injured. I, I saw the hit that got him injured, and it was just some big guy tackling a small guy. So he's probably a little sore, <laughs> a little banged up, but he'll be fine. Well, Goff, they're saying he's questionable or doubtful. He had surgery on his thumb on Monday, that, on his throwing thumb. There's, there's no way he's going to play. I mean, he gets, was struggling to throw uh, Sunday afterwards. He had to pop his thumb back into place. I don't see any chance he wins. Uh Akers is out for the Rams. I believe also Henderson is out. So their rushing attack won't scare anybody. And even if they were playing their rushing offense, it hasn't been that great this year. There's not much balance. Uh, the Cardinals may have a joke of a head coach. Cliff Kingsbury is absolutely terrible. I mean, the way he, dis- way he displayed on Sunday against the Niners was coaching malpractice. It was absolutely embarrassing. But Kyle O'Neill uses legs more because this Rams defense is no joke. And it'll be a low-scoring affair. But give me the Cardinals uh, in a close one. Durgan's NFC West head coach hate is is strong. How do you feel about Pete Carroll? I personally think he's a little overrated. I, I, I think he is a good coach, a terrible human being, and overrated, like you say. I, I I'm, I'm gonna say this. I can't believe I'm saying this. Sean McVay is the second best head coach in <laughs> NFC West. Whoa, yeah. shit! Durgan said something nice about. I know. Or, uh, I know. I gotta, I gotta take a shower now. That I feel a little dirty <laughs> saying that. I feel gross. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um. Yeah, I would imagine Kyler Murray finds a way to play, even if he can't scramble around like he's used to doing. Even just him sitting in the pocket and making throws should be enough to beat this Rams team, who's looked pretty anemic on offense for a couple of weeks now, mostly because of Jared Goff. He's turned the ball over. He's thrown the ball into the middle of the field where none of his receivers are and only Seahawks defenders are. Um, He's missed wide-open throws. And the run game isn't there to bail him out. And it makes it tough to, to game plan and scheme around a bad quarterback. And that's what Goff has been. And now he's broken his thumb. So I can't imagine that's going to make him much better. He's no Brett Favre who's going to you know play with a broken thumb for a few weeks and, and get out there. Um, 
And I can't imagine there's really anyone other than Brett Favre that would be able to do that. I can't imagine throwing a football with a broken thumb. So because of that, I got to go with the Cardinals. The Rams are in, you know, even if the Rams sneak into the playoffs here, um, you know, without a quarterback, they're kind of dead in the water. That that defense is championship level, but uh, they got to get something going on offense. So if, if the Rams lose and the Bears win, the Rams are out. Yeah, the, hey, the Rams have a quarterback, man. They got a guy named Wolford or something that I don't even know who he is. <laughs> hey, XFL legend. XFL legend, something Wolford. I forgot his first name. John, uh, I think. John, we'll go with John. And if, if anyone name, wants John. to correct us, tweet at us. Name. But um, listen, if if neither of these QBs go and you got like Brett Hundley versus John Wolford out there, just cancel the game. Like nobody <laughs> wants to see that. Just boom, cancel it, done. But I think either way, honestly, I think the the Cardinals take this game, even if Murray doesn't play. Um, I I just like this Cardinals team, and I you know I believe in Cliff Kingsbury. I know he f- fucked up last week, and he's got some some uh, kinks to work out as a head coach. But I think the potential is there, and and uh, I like where this organization is headed. So I'm going to take Cardinals. Uh, I don't know, I, seventeen to fourteen. Sure, that works. We'll go with that. Let's go to our next game. We got the Dolphins at the Bills. So I am assuming the Bills will play their starters. As of 341 on Tuesday, December 9th, 29th, that is what we've heard. So I'm going to stick with it. Uh, home field advantage is huge, I think, for the Bills. Uh, they'll have fans for the first time all year, uh, assuming they make the play. Oh, they will make the playoffs. But in their uh, home playoff games, so that'll be huge, huge, huge for them, I think, because Bills Mafia is wild. They really uh, get that team going. And Josh Allen right now is making a legit MVP push. Last four games, 12 touchdowns, one interception, completing 70% of his passes. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, he's not going to win. That's Mahomes or Rodgers, in my opinion. But he is not a far third. It's not like a blowout. I think he's making a strong push. Uh, and the Bills sit, guys, then it's a different story. Because Miami's defense is very good, but won't be enough. I, like I said earlier, I think Tua starts, gets pulled by a third quarter, and Fitzmagic has to pull something out of his hat once again, but I don't know. Even if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, don't be too worried because the Texans are doing a great job of tanking for you. As of right now, you'll have the third overall pick. So imagine this team now with two first-round picks and a lot of cap space. They'll be a top team sooner rather than later. Yeah, it really comes down to whether the Bills decide to play or not, because I think the Bills are clearly the better team, and uh, it would seem that Josh Allen is almost ascending to the mean. Like, he had a couple bad games, and now he's, you know, ascending and not regressing. But um, (laughs) he's playing very well, and he's uh, clearly the franchise quarterback of that team now. He's made a lot of progress, and Stephon Diggs has been phenomenal uh, the last number of weeks and throughout the whole year he has over 100 catches over a thousand yards he's catching touchdowns he's doing everything and they have some nice pieces with Cole Beasley and uh, they're getting things going and the Dolphins I don't think have the offensive firepower to keep up especially if Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki are are beat up a little bit Um, but I, I I'm gonna go with the Dolphins contingent possibly upon the the Bills deciding to play later in the week. If more information comes out... They, they can change, change. yeah. Back. I, I agree. But I'm taking the Dolphins. I think the Bills might want a little bit of rest since they don't have a bye week. Um, 
And I don't know that their offense, their run game isn't particularly uh, weather-based or they don't have a strong run game so that they don't prefer to be in cold weather in Buffalo. So if they go somewhere uh, inside a dome, they want to be able to throw the ball. They don't rely on their run game. So I don't know if they're going to care that much about having that cold home field advantage in, in Buffalo. Although the having the fans in the stands would definitely be pretty dope to, to watch, especially for the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins 27-21. to 21. So correct me if I'm wrong, but their seeding and the implications of that would basically entirely depend on the Steelers, correct? They had a tiebreaker over the Steelers. They beat them. Correct, but I'm... both are 12-3. and three. Yes. Every other team besides the Chiefs is 10-5. and five. Correct. So if the Steelers rest some people and they think, hey, the Steelers are starting uh, Mason Rudolph, probably not going to win, they could feel a little bit more comfortable resting some players. I'm just yes. I'm overthinking it a little yes. bit here, but I feel but, like the Bills yeah. are going to view this as a situation to not get hurt and capitalize on what's been a really good season for the playoffs. And because of that, I'm with Casey. I think the Dolphins, if the Bills are not playing some key starters or maybe even on, on like a snap count, um, I think the Dolphins are in that situation where they're 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 the prime Durgan example, right? Where the hungrier dog gets the bone. There you go. The yeah. Dolphins need it. And the Bills don't necessarily need it, especially depending on what the Steelers are doing, which seems like Big Ben's not playing. So, I don't know. Mathematically, you can call me uh, Heineke over here taking some advanced math classes and, <laughs> and stuff. But I'm, I'm just I'm Good thinking, yeah, you like that? I'm thinking yeah. that the Bills won't play everybody, at least for the entire game. Um, and that that means that the Dolphins will sneak this game out. So, I'm going to say the Dolphins take this one 33-30. to 30. And uh, Bills suck. Let's go on to the next game. <laughs> we, I'm just kidding. They're actually really good, but it bothers me. Let's go to our next game. We've got an NFC North matchup here with actually some playoff implications potentially. So Packers at Bears. Durgan, what do you think? Yeah, the fact that Bears have made it back this far is uh, it's, it's surprising, to say the least. I wish the Packers had clinched home field advantage last week so that the Bears could have a re- realistic chance to make the playoffs because Trubisky in the postseason would be comedy, in my opinion. Uh, Twitter would, I think, explode. Uh, however, this game is going to be an ass-kicking. Uh, the, the Bears are playing well last four to six games, but they're beating up on bad teams. And uh, While I'm still not 100% sold on the Packers, easiest strength of schedule so far in the league, if they jump out to the early lead like it did against the Titans, this game won't be close. Uh the only chance, I think, is if David Montgomery continues his strong play. I don't think Trubisky will continue this streak of an impressive play, especially against this Packers secondary that I think is actually underrated for the most part. Uh, so they need to run the ball. But if they go down 14-0 in the first quarter, it, there's no chance to come back. So I'm going to go with uh, 27-7 Packers, and I don't think the game will actually be that close. Yeah, so the, the Bears, the fact that they've climbed their way back in is is somewhat miraculous, as you said. And the last four games, they've been averaging 35 points per game, which, you know, before that, with Foles, they were averaging 16.7. And uh, in large part, plug for the breakdown coming out this week, but they've done a lot more play action, RPOs, zone reads with Trubisky that shortens the field. Uh, simplifies his reads, cuts the field in half, and makes him play faster and lets him be athletic and uses his legs. 
Uh, and that's helped a lot because that holds defenders accountable in the run game. That opens up lanes for David Montgomery. Montgomery has has had a little bit of a resurgence in this last quarter of the, the season and the run game's going. And that sort of helps the defense be balanced and not you know gassed on the field. And that's why the Bears have, have been trashing these subpar teams. But if you had said that the Bears were going to score 35 points average four weeks in a row, uh, early in the year, you would have said you're smoking that good stuff. So uh, <laughs> props to the Bears for turning things around. The Packers need this win for the number one seed. Um, and the Packers defense, meanwhile, since week eight, is ranked number sixth um, in expected points per play. So they're playing at a very high level uh, since that Vikings game where they let Dalvin Cook run all over them. They're still a below average run defense team but as a whole as a whole unit uh they're playing pretty pretty good good football there's been some some good adjustments by Petten and, and they're playing well all that being said i'm picking the packers partly because i'm a homer but partly because aaron Rodgers has uh, never had the nfc championship game at home uh in his career he's had the number one seed before but they've lost in the divisional round so i i he's said he wants it numerous times he wants that number one seed so i expect the packers to go get, go get it 31 to 17 yeah don't don't worry casey this is not a homer pick this is a logical pick you, you common made the sense right. yeah. yeah this is a i think the bears might pick. make make it a little tough i think oh, they're no. gonna play hard don't get me wrong i think the bears will make it a little tough and you know something i want to point out too is that Trubisky and Foles both played in nine games this season. There were some where they both played. Um, different mm-hmm. benchings happened throughout the season. And Trubisky's just statistically and really unquestionably played better than Foles um, across the board. So don't, don't, don't forget, this guy, yes, he's inconsistent. But, I mean, he made the, he made the Pro Bowl. He's been to the playoffs he before. They, they didn't do well. But... You know, well, he sh- they should have beat they the should have beat the Eagles, but they their kicker double doinked double it doink. off the off the uh, crossbar. Mm-hmm. So don't count don't count the Bears out. I think Matt Nagy is a good coach. Um, but that being said, the Packers this is their year, in my opinion. They look like the best team in the NFC, I think. And um, that defense is the prototypical defense I think you want in today's NFL. Could they be better as a run run stopping defense? Yes, but they have everything else that you want. Their secondary is really good. The pass rush is really good. Um, the front the front four in general is pretty good. They could probably improve on their linebackers. I think this Packers defense is low key elite, and people don't really recognize it because you got Aaron Rodgers doing what Aaron Rodgers does on the other side. So that being said, I gotta take the Packers in this one. I think they're more well rounded, and I think they're a force to be reckoned with going into the playoffs. And it'll be interesting to see if they secure this number one seed and they have the momentum, get that get that uh, week off. I, I don't know, man. This might be a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl. I'm just throwing it out there now. It'll be an exciting one. Uh, but against this against this Bears team, i got to take the Packers 38-14 to 14, uh, in a smackdown. You like that? Yeah, I, I, I love it. Does that yeah. get you going, I'm, Casey? I'm, yeah, it's firing me up. I'm all razzed up and ready to go. Nice, nice. Well, now that you're all razzed up and ready to go, let's end the podcast there. <laughs> that, that'll okay. be, any final thoughts before we head out? No, I, I mean, this is maybe one of the most impactful, whatever, week 17s that we've had in a while. And uh, I'm excited for all the potential playoff matchups because there's a lot of seeding changes that can change yeah. with these yeah. wins and losses, too. So we don't really know. There's nothing really slotted in as far as who you think you're going to play. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how everything shakes out. I believe the only two teams locked in are the Chiefs at one AFC 
and then the mm-hmm. NFC East on the four seed. And that team, yep. who knows going to be, but that's the spot locked in. Yeah. Yep. That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> let's wrap things up there, though. Thank you for sticking with us. We hope you had a very Merry Christmas and are having a great holiday season so far. Please check out our website if you have a chance. We just revamped it. There's a lot of cool content coming out. Um, Weeklyspiral.com. Before we head out, I want to give my co-hosts a chance to plug any of their content coming out that they want you to know about. Casey, do you have anything for the listeners to keep in mind? Yeah, the Trubisky breakdown will be out in a couple of days on YouTube, and then you can read the article on our website. And I also just released a shorter article and breakdown of George Kittle's return to the 49ers and how he did some some little things that really helped that offense get going and score enough points to upset the Arizona Cardinals. Nice. Yeah, I remember seeing some advanced stats about Kittle and the impact he has not only as a receiver but just in general on the the whole team's performance. Mm -hmm. Um, in the run game, in the pass game, just in general, he's, he's elevates that whole team. Durgan, what about you, man? Anything coming up you want to shout out? Busy, busy week. Uh, so first off, Joseph Asai from University of Texas. Scouting report will be up when you hear this. Then Sunday night, Monday morning, I'll have two articles. Don't know what they're going to come out. But one is uh, how to fix the Niners in a realistic way. That's a longer piece. And then I legitimately decided about half hour before we start recording to do a NFL coaching carousel blog. So I will be updating that as um, hires and fires are happening and put suggestions of who I think would be a good candidate. Uh, it will. Nice. I still don't know what it looks like totally, but just keep eye out for it because mm-hmm. it will be uh, something cool. Nice. This will be a good offseason for that, too. There's a lot of interesting yep. vacancies to keep an eye on and maybe some coming up. Um, so Also, I figured out how to fix the Niners. Don't get hurt. Did yeah, it. that's that's problem solved. That's, a good that's one. one. That's a good start. Yeah, you like one. that? Problem yeah. solved. Problem solved. Uh, but this has been a weekly spot production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, by the time you hear this, we will be on our last episode of 2020. So, um, wow. happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2021 for episode 72.